The following is a presentation of Dating Kinky, Kinky Connections and Kinky Education. We're kinky, done differently. what women and other wonderful humans want. A frank and fun discussion about the way people approach each other for romance, relationships, friendships, or other partnerships that make us happy, as well as an intimate discussion about how to connect with our own authentic self. With questions asked by a guy. And now here is your host, John, or as we call him around here, hi there, catsuit. Hello there, Nookie, and welcome to the show. And we are just a few weeks from FETCON in St. Petersburg, Florida. And I can't wait to meet those who attend, including so many of my guests from the past. And I'll be hanging around so many ultra girls because the shadow demon is always lurking. And for those who don't know, I've been actually playing a villain in that series lately. We do this show and most of what we do in Fetish because we do it as a labor of love. Our ads are freely given to those who help us out. And because of that, we ask for a bit of support so we can help our efforts to travel and bring you some in-person interviews. In fact, we're looking to launch a video version of the show when we do those in-person ones. So you have that to look forward to. So if you're so inclined and want to give us some support, please visit bit.ly slash catsuitcon, C-O-N, short for Catsuit Conferences. That's bit.ly slash catsuitcon, C-A-T-S-U-I-T-C-O-N. And thank you so much. On this week's show, we meet a woman that we have wanted to have on the show for nearly the first day. And after all this time, we finally visit with the Seattle-based dominatrix who is hypnotic in her look and courageous in her life. For quite a while, Ruby on Rails has been entrancing her clients in her Pacific Northwest dungeon. With a huge presence on YouTube, in her own, and on mainstream videos, she's developed a presence of beauty and skill based on years of honing her craft. Her well-equipped dungeon is a playground of the greatest kind, where she loves to overwhelm her subs into a sensation overload that brings them to their knees. But that's on the outside. Ruby is a courageous woman who has overcome the unimaginable to be the amazing Dom she is today. And she shares that story with us now. Mistress Ruby on Rails, on what women and other wonderful humans want. It's five questions about memorable firsts. We call it the first five. And I'll start with that. First time you ever called yourself Ruby on Rails and the reasoning behind it. 
Um, I was on a trip and I was with uh, two people that I would call mentors. Mm-hmm. And they were talking about doing a bondage photo shoot. We were actually on a trip to do a bondage photo shoot that kind of got screwed up. Um, it was maybe not the world's best idea. We'll just say that. Mm-hmm. Um, we did end up getting photos, but uh, we were, God, where were we? We were wandering and we were in like a foresty area and there were these really long wooden handrails and one of the people there was a programmer the other person was somewhat technologically inclined and I was actually learning the programming language Ruby on Rails at the time um and we're all walking through this like wooded area and they both are like oh ha 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 wouldn't it be funny to do a photograph and enter it into this uh, art festival that we have here in Seattle called the erotic, the Seattle erotic art festival. Mm-hmm. Um, take a photograph of a redhead tied to a really long wooden rail and title it Ruby on rails. And I thought to myself, yeah, that's not a bad, not a bad handle, not a bad name. <laughs> it's kind of cute. I like it. And I was doing a lot of modeling at the time mm-hmm. and I could do whatever I wanted with my hair. So I dyed my hair red and called myself Ruby on rails. That's amazing. There you have it. First time your mom said you should be a nun. Um, I think I was probably in, I want to say third grade, maybe, maybe a little bit younger. Um, there was a math teacher at my school who had this really bad reputation for, hitting kids on the backs of the hands with rulers. And I learned later that this was totally like unwarranted. Like he definitely did not do this. Um, My mom told me that he didn't do this. There was literally no way I went to this like crazy hippie school. Like, I don't think anyone hit really anyone at the school, but I really liked the idea of um, keeping people in line. And it didn't necessarily have to be like punishment per se but I loved rules when I was a kid. I, it drove me crazy when people broke rules for no reason. I was just like, why they're there for, to keep order. So I told my mom that I wanted to um, be a teacher. And my mom was like, why? And I was like, so that I can hit kids on the backs of the hands of rulers. (laughs) And my mom was like, what the fuck are you talking about? So I told her this whole thing about how there was this teacher at my school that did that. And she was like, there's no, literally no way they did that at Catholic school and they do not do that at your school. That's why I sent you to that school. So you didn't get hit with rulers. Your reaction from the first time you saw the James Bond movie, Golden Eye. Um, God, my reaction kind of enthralled and kind of confused and I also begged my parents to take me to go learn Russian (laughs) (laughs) I wonder why care to expand on that um well Natalia is like fantastic there's and Zenya on top is also fantastic there's a lot of female power going on in that movie um 
like Xenia on top with her like scissor legs and Natalia with her whole like fuck you to James, which is not like super cliche as far as the like Bond girls go. So I, like I have that. a good I have a good friend who lives in Seattle and Xenia on top, I think is his ultimate fantasy girl. <laughs> I get a lot of messages about that because I wrote that on my website and I did not think about that at the time. I was just like, oh yeah, I mean, she's super hot. She's wearing leather, you know? Like, didn't everybody watch this? And apparently not everybody was as enthralled about it as I was, which seems kind of strange because she's like super dominatrixy, right? Like, I don't know. Maybe I was alone growing up in the 90s. (laughs) (laughs) Growing up in the 90s in Seattle was a wonderful time because for that city, it was just electric. Yeah. First time you realized after you left Seattle that you wanted to go back. I mean, I wasn't really gone that long. I was gone for like under two months. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's really more of like to see what was out there in the world. And I think I was gone for under two weeks and I was driving around in the desert in Phoenix and I was like, holy shit, this place looks bleak. I kind of miss Seattle. And I knew at that point in time that I was not going to be gone all that long. Um, At least I certainly wasn't going to be gone to that place in particular all that long. Mm -hmm. That was going to be a temporary deal Um, because Seattle is really quite beautiful. And as interesting as Phoenix was with its like fairly extreme kink scene, um, or at least that's what I ended up finding down there. Uh, it really just couldn't hold a candle to everything that's up here. So wasn't gone that long. <laughs> First time you ever successfully hypnotized someone in a session. And what was it like? I honestly can't remember the first time. But I can remember a very memorable time when I was like near the beginning of learning hypnosis, where I was sitting in um, what was my red room and is now my like white room on the floor. And I hypnotized them only with my eyes. I used them as like a fascinator with like my giant false eyelashes. Um, And that felt extremely powerful. (laughs) I don't even remember what kind of things I said or what kind of, um, like what the content of that was. I just remember the uh, little induction there. Mm. Hypno is something we're definitely going to be talking about as we continue on what women and other wonderful humans want. But when we come back, we will talk about coming back with Ruby on Rails when we return. You all know I love my cat suits and the ones that have never let me down come from the amazing winter fetish. 
I have had some of them for 10 years and they're still going strong. Specifically made for fetish play, these suits come in only the best spandex or PVC with zippers made for action. You've seen them in the House of Gordon. It's always sunny in Philadelphia. And now these suits can be yours. And if you use the code www.spandexcat, you get 10% off your purchase and you support the show as well. And as always, I give you this promo because I believe in what Winter Fetish does. So visit winterfetish.com and use the promo code www.spandexcat and get the cat suit of your dreams from Winter Fetish. Hi, this is Venus, and I have a special message going out to all the single ladies listening right now. What if you could have a committed, loving relationship with a partner who is monogamous to you, but who would love to see you have sexual experiences with others? Sounds too good to be true, right? Well, it's not. You really can have your cake and eat it too. You can have it all. Learn more at venusconnections.com. That's venusconnections.com. Hello, all you dear listeners of this amazing show. My name is Anya, and I also have a podcast called Sexualchemy. And I would love for you to come discover what we're doing over in my little sliver of the world, talking about sex, our paths to figuring out our most authentic expressions, unshaming all aspects of it, and generally just creating community around people who want to explore whatever their most authentic sexual expression is. So I hope you enjoy listening. I hope you reach out and I hope you become part of my little community that I love so much. Join Anya for Sexualchemy and listen to my episode. It was an amazing interview. Sexualchemy with Anya, available where you get your podcasts. We invite you to follow us on social media. Check us out at What Women Want P1 on Twitter, What Women Want Podcast on Instagram, and for our kinky friends on FetLife at www.podcast. And now back to this episode of What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want. I had mentioned to you that we've been trying to get you on the show for a very long time. And I remember a moment <laughs> where we were going to have you and Lady Vi on at the same time. And that was when everything happened in New Orleans for her. Yep. So we moved forward and I tried to get you on the show. And then suddenly you weren't around. Yeah, And I always wondered what had happened. And today you kind of shared with me what happened. You have had quite the ordeal. Yeah. Um, so over the last, uh, God. So I was born with a disorder called um, Chiari malformation, which essentially means that my brain is too low in my head. And it puts pressure on my spinal cord. Um, and I don't actually know if you can see this, but I'll show you anyway. You can see my hair is still shaved. Oh, wow. Yeah. 
I'm using my terrible webcam, but yeah, that's fairly fresh. Um, I had a craniotomy in the end of March and it was literally life-changing. I can't imagine having somebody go into my head. Oh, it was super scary. Not real fun. I uh, like having control and agency and I literally did it because I was out of options. For someone whose life is about being in control, how did you let go? I put a lot of faith in someone else that I trust who has a lot more knowledge than I do. And they helped guide me through the process of finding someone who could do a good job cutting. Before you went in for the surgery, what were some of the things that made you believe that you had to get the surgery in order to keep on living a, a fruitful and wonderful life? Well, I had a 24-7 migraine that was about a 20 on a scale of 1 to 10. Mm. Um, my vision was starting to get kind of screwed up. I had tinnitus and... Um, my hearing was starting to go, which was horrifying. Um, it was like starting to go, but also my hearing was so sensitive that most noises made me nauseous. Mm. Um, I was starting to lose control of all of my limbs and I was having difficulty speaking mm. and thinking. So it had reached a point where it was non-negotiable that something had to be done about it. Um, in December of last year, I ended up having a couple of MRIs and found out that I had what is effectively um, a giant uh, cyst of cerebral spinal fluid all the way through my spinal cord as a result of this whole debacle, mm. which had explained many things. Mm -hmm. So super fun ride. The whole thing is real painful. Like worst pain I've ever experienced in my entire life. And I started out in the kink scene doing like ritualistic cuttings. So did your background as a dominatrix and someone who is able to maintain control over people did that get to the point where you were wondering if you could when this whole thing started? Absolutely. I was wondering. So my crash plan was that I was going to get giant implants and just do the whole Findom, like sitting, like doing videos thing, because I didn't know if I was going to have the ability to move my legs. Mm. So that was really fun. Definitely my favorite. So tell me about the comeback. You come out of this surgery. Obviously, there are a lot of changes in you. Describe some of those and describe your mindset of finally having this pain gone. Well, the first week was interesting because I spent part of it in the neuro ICU and I'd never spent any time in a hospital before. And that is a miserable experience. 
that wake you up every 15 minutes to poke you or prod you or squeeze you with some sort of Kevorkian scarf situation around your arm. Um, and I don't really remember eating much when I was there. Um, I just was not hungry. But I got out literally as fast as I possibly could. I just did not want to be there. But I had the ability to. I, as soon as they put me out on the general floor, I was just like, peace, I'm leaving. Hmm. And the back of my head felt uh, terrible, but everything else was starting to become more normal, which was um, kind of fucked up, but fantastic. Because mm-hmm. I'd had this, like, it felt almost as though um, someone had taken like a drill and was actively putting it into my head for a year and it was just getting worse and worse. And like, you know what a dryad is? No. It's like a mythical creature that's like a tree. Um, but like, it felt almost as though like I had been attacked by a dryad and like a giant wood piece of like tentacle mm-hmm. trunk thing was wrapping itself around my abdomen prior to the surgery and was squeezing me slowly, like wearing underwear was not a thing. Mm. Like bras were gone. Um, but all of this has slowly started going away. And I remember the very first time I walked upstairs afterwards. My entire life, like walking upstairs had been, um, I wouldn't necessarily say like, you know, a problem, but it was like, I floated up them. Mm-hmm. And I spent like the first month floating everywhere. And I realized that walking had been difficult <laughs> my entire life. And I knew that like turning my head had given me motion sickness, like doing that would have felt like I was going to throw up mm. my whole life. A simple turn of the head like that. Horrible I, nausea. I can't that- imagine. Isn't that amazing? And I just never really questioned it. I was just like, oh, yeah, that's just what my body does. But what your body was doing before you went into treatment was slowly killing me. So being a dominatrix was killing you? Uh, effectively. I mean, living was slowly killing me. Mm. But being a dominatrix allowed me to... I mean, in some ways it's hard on my joints, but in other ways, like, what am I going to do? Sit at a laptop for Mm -hmm. 12 hours a day? I couldn't even look at a laptop. Like the last year, I couldn't look at a screen. I could look at my like stupid iPhone with its like color control. Like, look at how yellow this is. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's like somebody peed on the screen. (laughs) Golden showers you weren't expecting. I think that every single time I look at the screen, I'm like, oh, yeah, very golden. (laughs) So you come out of the surgery, you're in recovery. Mm -hmm. What were the steps to getting back to the person that you had pictured being? It's still a process. Um, And part of it was just time. I mean, I had to wait for bone to heal on the back of my head. That was part of it. So a lot of that was just a waiting game and a like eating lots of food game because I lost 
tons of weight um, during this whole process. Because I just literally couldn't eat food, which is real fun. Um, yeah, a lot of it's just waiting and being patient and trying to do little things at a time and not stress myself, which is, I'm not good at being patient. Mm-hmm. I'm really not. I'm also not very good at um, taking things little pieces at a time because I just want to accomplish the whole fucking thing at once. But um, now I'm in a position where like I'm forced to listen to my body and just be like, yeah, okay, so we're going to just do this like this one this one project and not all of them. Have you had or have you started sessions in person yet? And how is that feeling for your body? I started sessions um, about six weeks after my surgery. I hit the ground. Because you're a badass, that. of course. Yeah, I have shown so many people my scar just to be like, look at this. I had my brain cut open. Um, and actually, it's been more fine than I thought it would be. Uh, I was worried at first, but um, I was comparing it to where I was before, which was like I was just dead every day. And now I feel like I can do things, which sounds really ridiculous, but after spending so much time curled up in a ball looking at the wall, it feels like I have so much time. It's great. I'm finding it hard to imagine, and I don't think many people can, but thank you for taking us into that world, because if I didn't think you were awesome before, your awesome scale just went off the charts through the ceiling and everything, because that is the definition of badass. Thank you. So one of the things that must have gotten you through that is your mental toughness. And that is something that as your image shows, whether it be through domination or through bondage or through the things that you do, you have a very strong presence. Does it feel good to be able to practice that again? And are you finding it that you have this background of coming back, so you're going to come back even stronger? Oh, I mean, it. so where I'm at, I feel like things are even easier than where I was when I was like 20. Wow. And yeah, no, this has just been a downhill cascade for like a decade. And I just didn't realize it. I just thought I was getting old, but instead my brain was just trying to kill me. So describe your first session back for me. Um, I have to look at my calendar to remember what that was, but I've had sure. a bunch of really long things lately. And like, I've been tired after doing like 48 hours, but not feeling like I'm going to die. Well, let me rephrase <laughs> it in this way, Ruby. When did you know you were back? When did you have a session that you went, Ruby's back in town? I mean, I'm not necessarily sure I'm going to know for like a while because I'm still recovering. Like 
I'm going to be recovering until, I mean, I'm having another uh, MRI in October. Mm -hmm. So that's when they're saying that like my whole spine situation is going to be at least like that's mm -hmm. when they're doing the check-in. Fair enough. Um, so that's when I'm giving myself to, but every single day is better than the last. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, this week is better than last week by like leaps and bounds, which is crazy. So. What were you looking forward to doing the most? Was there a certain thing that you wanted to do either professionally or was there something you wanted to get back to doing that you had enjoyed before that brought you joy? Because I know you've done things like work with fireworks, which yeah. I wanted to talk to you about and so many different facets to you. Well, one thing I've like wanted to get back to doing um, cause I definitely had to give it up during all of this is, um, like partial suspensions. Mm. Cause like, I just can't. Right. And I'm still off of that a little bit just because, um, of the weight capacity. Um, but I've been able to do basically everything else. And I was like worried about being able to do like all other kinds of like bondage with um that involves dexterity mm -hmm. and on a personal level i've wanted to get back to writing just because i haven't been able to stare at a fucking screen well speaking of writing you have on your website which is rubyloveshow.com i love that by the way thank you fantasy ideas and it's a long list heavy restriction twisted doctor visit human toilet taken to the edge hypnotic systematic brainwashing truant student there's so many of them but the way they are written super villain face off You've been the reigning caped hero of this town for a long time, and no one has contested that. Everyone who has tried has fallen, and you've come to amicable terms. So this challenge has now sprung up, should be no issue for you. Or so you think when you enter the battlefield, you find yourself overmatched and at her mercy. <sighs> I have a fun fact about that one that um is that was written specifically after um a session so I have someone that I play with who's like really into superhero stuff um and that was kind of an ode to that how many of these fantasy ideas come from sessions and then you do the writing or how many come from the writing that you crave doing a session for i mean a hundred percent falls into one of those two categories mm -hmm. what's your favorite of that page or is it hard to have one i haven't looked at that page in quite some time so 
I'd have to look at that page again to pick one, but I used to have one on there that I think I maybe renamed, but that um, was uh, basically like a very forceful kind of experience, like a kidnapping kind of deal. Mm -hmm. um, I think I see. I think I see it right now. This might be yeah, one of them. Probably. You wake up strapped on a table in a dark, cold room. Your senses are hazy, and you can't remember how you got there. You just remember the sexy scientist you were having drinks with the night before. You remember she was talking about experiments she was conducting on human subjects, and you thought they were voluntary. You're scouring your memory for what happened after the drinks when in walks a dark cloak figure with a similar air about her and a sense, you sense a wicked curiosity, clipboard in one hand, strange device in the other. You try to scream for help, but you find yourself instantly gagged and hooded. Be still <laughs> my heart. Remembering that I wrote a bunch of abduction ones on there. I must've been in a mood. <laughs> Where did your love of writing come from? Uh, love of reading. What was your favorite series to read or favorite books? My favorite book is um, Perdido Street Station. Hmm. I was just talking to um, one of my sweeties about that who uh, is a writer. And he was just like, I tried so hard to read that book but I was like halfway through it and nothing happened and I was like I know you didn't get to the story yet <laughs> <laughs> there's so much world building in that book and it's mostly just describing things but it's very pretty I like things that are very descriptive and that's one of the beautiful things about as I sometimes call it a female version of improv versus a male version of improv Yep. Male version of improv is very much like a male sexual drive. You get the problem, you go straight for the solution, which I think we can all figure out what that is. Yep. But the female version of improv begins with being given the gift, having the solution in sight, but taking a 360 degree view of where you are and where you want to go before you get there. Yeah, it's very accurate. <laughs> and I think that the same thing goes for an amazing scene. Agreed. A guy may come in to a scene knowing what he wants, but then realizing that he's not the one in control and you've just started thinking about the mm -hmm. journey. Absolutely. How good of a feeling is that? Oh, it's fantastic. One of my favorite things is um, showing people that they're interested in more than just like one thing that they thought they liked. And I think you don't find that unless you go on the journey. I'm kind of feeling that personally now. Because my entire fetish for more than 50 years has been cat suits, spandex, and, uh, and a little bit of latex now. I, and I was introduced to latex, and it was a beautiful thing. 
but I want to figure out what it will take for me to move on and start understanding other aspects of things. Am I so entrenched in the second skin feeling or where can I go and who can take me there? And that is one of the things that keeps me around in kink because I want to discover that. Mm -hmm. How cool is that when you meet somebody and I'm not saying me, but meet somebody like me and suddenly you have this blank canvas that you are just absolutely salivating at painting. It's pretty fantastic. I, I enjoy meeting people who are very experienced and know themselves and also people who are completely blank. Hmm. Because I think that, um, I mean, I learn a lot ironically enough from people who have like almost no kink experience um because they have such a unique perspective at looking at things um whereas like a lot of us who've been around for such a long time have like you know a certain way of doing things there's an established way of doing things but like if you don't know what you're doing maybe you can reinvent something and with people who have been around for so long, I enjoy helping them discover new facets. Is there a mental key to doing that? Is there a superpower you have to allow you to figure that out? Um, I have this giant Rolodex of connections in my head of like, of like fetishes. My brain works like, oh, like things go with like things. And then there are like a whole bunch of other connections from that, like, oh, well, this might be like this. Um, and I also enjoy asking people questions. Like when you were talking about cat suits and second skins, my first question would have been, what do you like about it? What does it make you feel? And why do you pursue it? Well, the quick answer would be that I feel held in safety when I wear one. I feel hugged all over. It's not necessarily a Zentai type thing, but the more covered I am, the safer I feel. The tighter it is, the more confident I can feel. Mm -hmm. And the reason that I gravitated to it is I think I was always scared as a kid of kind of the outside world of how they think of me and inside a cat suit or back in the eighties, leotards and tights, I felt safe. And there wasn't something about body dysmorphia, although every now and then I will wear fake boobs because I like the super heroin look. Mm -hmm. And you feel desired sometimes. And a lot of guys don't feel desired. But the feeling that I have, like uh, you see some of the pictures behind me as, as I'm interviewing you here. And there's one of Christina Carter is oh girl in there. And I told Christina Carter, I said, I watch your videos. And I think what you wear is lovely and you're very voluptuous and you're amazing. But what turns me on is I want to be you. And so 
being in that scenario, I think that's everything that comes together. That was a long answer to, <laughs> to a short question. I expect long answers. I don't expect short ones. So. I think, um, so I have a similar thing with cat suits. They feel, they make me feel very safe and very confident. So it's almost like armor, like the world can't touch me when I'm wearing one. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And here's another thing I've said to people uh, that love cat suits. It is the ultimate mindfulness exercise. When you are wearing a cat suit, and you think that there is a lovely material that is caressing your left shoulder, instantly you realize that it's also caressing the outside of your right leg. Mm -hmm. And then it's your bottom. And then suddenly it's your arm. And suddenly you are enveloped by this beautiful feeling. That's sure. what I love about it. <laughs> So I always like to share that with people who, who love cat suits. One of my favorite cat suits that you have, I call your hypno cat suit. And when we return on what women and other wonderful humans want, we're going to talk a little hypno with Ruby on Rails when we return. Hi, folks. Key Barrett here, and I've got a question for you. Do you think your wife or girlfriend makes the best decisions and you want to support her any way you can? Ladies, do you think your partner works best when they're told exactly what you want? You both might be looking for a female-led relationship. From mild to wild, these strong relationships have one thing in common, satisfaction. Read Surrender Submit Server on Audible, Kindle, and Paperback today to start your female-led journey. And good luck. This is Alicia Zadig, author of the new book, Yes, Mistress. I'm also Mistress Alicia, a leading dominatrix and BDSM expert. My book, Yes, Mistress, takes you on a provocative, eye-opening journey into the erotic worlds of kink, fetish, and female domination. Join me for a fascinating conversation. Male submission is more common than you think and more rewarding than you can ever imagine. Yes, Mistress, now available on Kindle, and you can order your copy at yesmistress.com. Are you liking what you're hearing? Check out the Total Archives wherever you find your podcasts. And please, remember to subscribe so you don't miss a minute. And while you're there, help John out by giving him a rating and a review. We really appreciate your feedback. Now let's get back to what women and other wonderful humans want. Welcome back to the program, joined by Ruby on Rails from one of the most beautiful places in the world, Seattle, Washington. I lived there for 20 years and I miss it every day as I wear my Sounders jersey in your honor. <laughs> What is it about that Seattle scene that is so amazing? Because there are so many amazing personalities up there. I honestly have no idea. I spoke to somebody here who said um, Seattle is a place that you go to be contemplative and to find yourself. 
and he was somebody who's from a really like bustling busy city and like I've effectively always lived here so I don't really know what other cities are like Mm -hmm. um but maybe it's that maybe it's that we're allowed to be contemplative and find ourselves one of the things about contemplating is when you concentrate on something really really hard about yourself and to me that's a beautiful segue into talking about hypnosis Uh i have been fascinated by this as long as it's been since I have kind of gotten back into kink after my marriage fell apart, unfortunately. Uh, and well, it's, it, it was an abusive relationship. So I was, I'm happy that I was able to survive it because when I divorced, I literally moved out or when I separated, I literally moved out to save my own life. Not because it was violent, but I could not take the stress of what was being told to me every day that I wasn't enough and I could never be enough. So the idea of hypnosis to be able to leave that mind. And I've always said that uh, the perfect scene for me is to be stuck in a moment I can't get out of. (laughs) And I realize it's a U2 lyric, but hypno is the ultimate in that because Mm -hmm. you leave your conscious mind and you are guided into a beautiful place or a scary place. I've never had it done to me, so I wouldn't know. Tell me what is so awesome about it from your eyes, which could start the hypno at any moment, but (laughs) it's just kind of a funny way of putting it. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the things that I think is so powerful about it is that it has the ability to be so many different things. Like it is in many ways, I mean, like with any kind of BDSM, it's collaborative, but because it is in many aspects um, controlled kind of by the bottom, like whatever I say has to resonate with you and be interpreted by you. Um, It's really so flexible and so squishy and also can be used in so many different ways. So a lot of people that I talk to want to be in trance for very long periods of time And I think that's because it's a very relaxing, safe space for most people. And it's like being totally mindless, right? It's, you know, the act of being actively hypnotized. And people will want to just stay in that space for hours, like like staying in the moment, like you said. And some people want to have triggers implanted so that they you know, forget things or don't have control over an impulse or have an impulse implanted. It's really quite versatile. I love things that are versatile. We hate unitaskers here. When somebody wants to get into hypnosis and are not sure that they can be hypnotized, is that ever an issue 
or can everybody be hypnotized? I believe everybody can be hypnotized. It's just about finding the right method. And there are so many different ways of hypnotizing people that it's, I think it's about trial and error. Like there Mm -hmm. are a bunch of physical methods. Like there's the handshake induction. And like I mentioned with my eyes, there are fascinators. And they're like, you know, the good old countdown inductions. There's all sorts of stuff. And like for some people who are kind of anxious or like really distracted, you can do confusion inductions. A lot of what I tend to do is like conversational hypnosis, Mm -hmm. Um, just because it's what I tend to prefer. It works best for me, but I tend to do like, I don't know, pick a fucking induction. It's just whatever works for what I'm talking about. I have found that when I have tried and it's only been audio files, I've never had an mm-hmm. in-person induction or an in-person yeah. hypnosis. Yeah. That I get frustrated because I want to be falling and mm-hmm. I don't feel like I am. Mm-hmm. I've heard that from uh, people before is that they feel like something is supposed to be happening and it's not. Mm-hmm. Like I'll hear a snap and my mm-hmm. body will literally have this wonderful shake to it. It's like, oh, good, it's happening. Yeah, no, it's not. <laughs> did did I leave the pan on? <laughs> did, did did I leave the door unlocked? Oh gosh, I, I'm locked to the bed, and I left the door unlocked. What's going on? Know. You know, you know th- things like that. Luckily, mm-hmm. that's never happened. Yeah. But those are the kind of thoughts that go into one's brain. Yeah. Do you have a favorite or a couple of favorite? hypnosis scenes that you've done that just bring you joy to think about? Absolutely. One of my all-time favorites was with someone that I uh, played with a whole bunch. And the scene that we had done before that was I shaved his head. Um, and he was like, just, just scare me you know, like do whatever you want, just scare me. He was really into ASMR. Mm -hmm. And I thought to myself, I bet I can hypnotize him, see what happens. So I removed his ability to scream and then waterboarded him. (laughs) Um, And so he's just like laying there with his mouth agape, like just making this like little squeak noise instead of like screaming because I told him that like he couldn't make a noise with his mouth or something I don't I forget how I phrased it um but he couldn't make noises really so it was just sort of like air um in between the waterboarding um and afterwards he was like that was so terrifying let's do it again so I like weird shit like that where you just I don't know, use it as an amplifier to a scene or it's the entirety of the scene itself. Have you had a hypnosis scene where somebody has come to you later and said, Ruby, you've made the most amazing positive change in my life. Thank you. Absolutely. Can you describe one of those? 
I did a scene with somebody where I hypnotized them with my foot. He was really very much into feet and it just so happened to work. It was like foot fascinator kind of deal. And he, just, he told me that he at one point in time was obsessed with my big toe. And he told me that it was the most magical thing. Go figure. Right? I mean, it's just a fun experience. I want to get into some of the things that you like to do outside of the scene. One of them is singing. Mm-hmm. And with Seattle being the home of the yodeling dominatrix at Teatro Zanzani. Oh my Zanzani. God, I met her. <laughs> Isn't she amazing? Nice. She's very tall. <laughs> she said, I'm not sure I want to do the show. I don't think that's my audience <laughs> because <laughs> I invited her to be on the show. What? <laughs> I told her I was a dominatrix and she was like, very neat. <laughs> <laughs> Where did your love of singing come from? Um, my parents are very into opera and took me to the opera and the symphony a whole bunch when I was a kid. So I just grew up around that. And my dad knew a whole bunch of opera singers when I was a kid. So I just sort of thought like, yeah, that's what you do. And for some show that I saw not too long ago where, um, I can't remember what it was, but one of the characters was a singer. Um, It was a movie that I loved when I was a kid, but I can't remember what it is off the top of my head. It's going to bother me for (laughs) ages now, but that's okay. Um, And I'd always wanted to take singing lessons and then ended up doing it uh, several years ago. And I don't know, it's wonderful. It's great for confidence. One of the most beautiful scenes I ever had was a woman topic me and she sang French songs the entire time. Oh, that's lovely. La Vie on the Rose. Mm-hmm. And I found myself just getting lost in the scene. Mm-hmm. Because it wasn't necessarily hard impact or any sort of pain, a lot of sensation, but it was just being in that beautiful moment when the rest of the world goes away. Yep. And when I sing, which is usually in karaoke and it'll end up like last week, I sung Wonderwall in a karaoke joint uh, college bar. And hear a 59-year-old guy's singing Wonderwall, and the entire bar sings with me. And it's like, this is beautiful. Yeah. But to be able to have that control of a voice and that mm-hmm. control of beautiful noises coming out. Have you had the opportunity to perform? And if so, what was your favorite time to perform? I have not, but I haven't sought it out. I have, in fact, avoided it. Really? Mm-hmm. Stage fright? No. Um, for a while. Uh, so when I was around 25, that's when um, things started kind of going wrong here. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it started to really hurt to sing. Mm. And that was related to Chiari. 
Um, and in the last like year or actually the last three years, I've been almost unable to sing, mm. um, particularly to the same degree that I used to be able to. Are you looking forward to getting back to it? I absolutely am. One of the things I was most excited about was when I was able to, I recently have been able to sing without it being excruciatingly painful. I can only imagine the entrancing that happens when you sing, especially with the classical training and background that you have towards the opera side. I would imagine that that would be beyond amazing. Thank you. From the soft, gentle, beautiful noises to the very loud ones. Yep. When did you get into fireworks? Um, I think a decade or so ago, I was bored on a 4th of July and I messaged my mentor and said, hey, what are you doing on this 4th of July? I do not want to go to Gasworks. And he said, well, I'm a pyrotechnician. Do you want to come help? And I said, that sounds great. So that's how that began. So what is the most interesting story you have from your fireworks background? Um, oh, man. A lot of the shell. So a lot of the tubes mm -hmm. that one uses are made of fiberglass. And I learned this one year because I didn't wear gloves. Mm. Yeah, I was trying to be real helpful, like end of the night. And I was trying to help us like move out real fast. And I picked up this like gigantic, like really wide tube. And I think I tried to haul it out and then realized I was like, ah, fuck it. This is too heavy. And then my hands were burning and I was like, oh, fiberglass, like the insulation. Mm. That's why everyone is wearing gloves. So it's like four o'clock in the morning because it's always like four o'clock in the morning when you're trying to pack up after fireworks, always. So my brain is not so sharp at four o'clock in the morning. Mm. <laughs> what is another hobby that brings you such joy? DIY stuff. DIY like anything. I'm thinking this whole this old dungeon or trading trading play spaces. Or oh, better like. homes and dungeons. I think yes. is what you mean. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. How much have you done on your own dungeon? Because I will say, and if, if you've never had a chance to go see the pictures of Ruby's dungeon, oh my gosh, that's amazing. And you've done everything? Everything except I didn't build the furniture. But I do know how to weld. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> how does one collect as much furniture as you have? Pandemic and a shopping habit? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's not inexpensive. No. Um yeah, so you have you get introduced to Jeff Gord. He's the first. Uh-huh. <laughs> right? You get introduced to him. Problem number 1, right? Get introduced to Jeff. Then you get enamored when he shows you all of these really cool photos and really cool videos of all the shit he's done and shit he's built. 
then you too get obsessed with perfection, mm-hmm. bondage perfection, and then you too decide, I must have an arm binder to fit every single body. I must have a hood to fit every single body. I must have ballet boots to fit every single body. We're real close to being like, I must have a cat suit to fit every single body because I just have to cross off body bags first. Mm. So it's a problem and I'm aware it's a problem. I just, you know, I'm not willing to go to, you know, like Dungeons Anonymous yet. (laughs) (laughs) You mentioned the name Jeff Gord. May he he rest in the most beautiful dungeon in the world and be having all sorts of fun. Surrounded by beautiful women dressed in whatever the fuck he wants. Mostly cat suits. Yeah, mostly cat suits. What was it like meeting Jeff Gord? Enchanting. I'd had the worst day. And he picked me up in his giant ridiculous vehicle. And he was this bubbly ridiculous man who had like more charm than could fit into his body right and he took me to go get fish and chips and he told me as he dumped malt vinegar all over his fries like this is how we do it and this will make me live forever and I thought to myself god I hope it does (laughs) and then He took me back to Gord Mansion, which was beautiful and also very weird. (laughs) He had like floral, like dark green rose wallpaper in many areas of it. And I was like, that doesn't really seem like your style, but you know, if it is more power to you. And he showed me, I think it was the entirety of a movie that he had intended to release, like a full movie like not like a porn movie like a movie movie and it involved girls that were being um used as race cars which I had never conceived of my little 20 year old brain had never conceived of this as a possibility in the world and after he'd shown me all this wild stuff in his house including like furniture that turns people into furniture and all this spectacular art tucks me into bed with this like book of Willie's Bazaar. <laughs> so, and the next day was shooting, which was awesome, but really just actually meeting him was amazing. How much of an influence do you think he has been when it comes to people's fantasies of absolute bondage? massive absolutely massive like I still see like new pieces of like bondage things that are being recreated from his designs Mm -hmm. and I'm a nerd so I know that (laughs) like his his uh, nasty cuffs I have versions of them that are redesigned by somebody on Etsy I'll show you pictures after. Wow. Like they're these gorgeous, like polished steel things and they've got like metal cuffs in the middle that spin. So like when you put your arm, your wrists in them, you can twist your wrists so they're not just stuck. 
you can also size them to a million different people's hands. I just know that between his engineering and Tanya Winter's cat suits, mm-hmm. Irma Gersh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I got to meet uh, Tanya and do some videos for her to show some show off some of her work. And I think that's what when I really fell in love with the cat suit part of thing. And again, we're talking to people in Seattle. Yeah. Yep. Why did I ever leave? I don't know. <laughs> when I was in, I think it was college, a bunch of a couple of my friends worked for Tanya and I had no idea. Hmm. I ended up in her warehouse and they were like, oh, yeah, we just sell professionally. My life has just been like intersected with the King community for like eons. Where from here, Ruby? What are your dreams? What would you like to be doing as you move forward? I want to be comfortable. And that mostly means in the space I'm in. And... I'm honestly pretty content where I'm at. I just want things to be polished a little bit, perfected upon. The thing that I've always admired the most about you is every time I see a new picture of you, there's a new facet of you. The first time I saw you in your hypno cat suit and I was like, wow, that is the physical embodiment of someone who needs to be paid attention to. (laughs) I have a snake one too, a rainbow snake, because I want to do a video of me being Ka. (laughs) Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yes, indeed. Ruby, what's the best way people can stay in touch with you? Twitter, probably, because that one hasn't been deleted 400 times. Mm -hmm. So my Twitter is uh, at Ruby on Rails. And we will be linking to that in our show notes. Ruby, it's everything I imagined and more. Thank you so much for taking the time with me today and thank you for sharing your story it's definitely an inspiration to me and i know it will be an inspiration to so many others my sincerest pleasure thank you i am so moved by the courage of ruby how can you not cheer for all the best for a woman like that I'm so happy she did the show and we will definitely connect with her again soon to see how life is going. She's just an amazing woman to me. Next week, a very special program where we get to meet a woman who guided me on an amazing journey. She is Queen P or Sweet P as some of you know her, dominatrix extraordinaire, hall of fame burlesque performer and event producer of so many soirees of amazement. She joins me next week to talk about her career and my trip to Castle Diabolica. Thanks for being with us. 
Hey, if you get the chance, could you hop over on Apple or Spotify and leave us a review? We sure would appreciate it. I'm John, always known as Hi There Catsuit. I hope I've earned the privilege of your time and I remind you to always remember consent and to love each other always. What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want connects with you. We invite you to follow us on social media. Check us out at What Women Want P1 on Twitter, What Women Want Podcast on Instagram, and for our kinky friends on FetLife at WWW Podcast. This has been a presentation of Dating Kinky. Kinky done differently.